everybody good evening and welcome to year 10 of logical progression if Hassan was here right now and not busy doing something else for me yani on in Sweden he would be putting what now on the screen he'd be putting what's that guy's name man what's that guy's name Paul Rudd yeah Paul Rudd hey just bottom, doesn't he? Yeah? Just ignore his ketchup, yeah? Hey. What did he say? He... Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Huh? Hey, look at us. Who would have thought? Ten years. Ten years. Ten years later, we are still teaching the same class. Hey, look at us. Ten years later, still teaching the same class. Who would have thought? Not me. You. No, not me. Yes, you did. I didn't. I'm telling 100%. 100% I didn't think that I'd be here 10 years later. Actually, maybe... It's maybe, not 10 years. It is, yeah. The first time. You weren't even born, bro. Oh. Okay? When I started that. No, the last time tennis we last had logical progression. No, no. Last time we had logical progression was... Uh, like four months ago. That was probably like year 10 years as well. But uh, no, it was about... Four, it, was about it was about four... It was about four... It was about four, um, four uh, months ago or something like that. All right, folks, uh, I appreciate um, you being patient. You're going to have to be really patient, okay? I'll tell you why you have to be really patient. You have to be really patient because um, the, from every angle, okay? I apologize for the quality of the picture. picture actually is not too bad, to be honest. I'm looking at the picture. I think it looks okay. Alright, we've got yani, some plant behavior going on in the background between two ferns. Yani, to those who know, know. And um, uh, hey, who would have thought? Look at us. Not me. Alright, so those who know, know. And, uh, but the one thing I really want to. Um, see, this is why it's a kid, I know you're a bad one, okay? This is the problem. When you understand these little sly references, okay, you and Sarah, both, both of you, right? then I know the situation is going wrong. But I'm not going to say Between the Two Ferns is without a shadow of a doubt the single greatest piece of comedy writing outside of Carl Wilkinson and anything that he does. But anyway, and Diane Morgan, of course. But anyway, okay, fair enough, fair enough. But you know that you got the reference, so you're guilty anyway by default. What I really apologize for is the quality of the internet. And it's for that single reason why I am desperately trying my best to ensure that next week's lesson is in another country which has a better internet connection. Actually, its internet connection is probably a hundred times quicker than the one I'm currently broadcasting this class on. All right, I'll, I'll fill you in on everything that's going on. And uh, Chief has just joined as well. Hanji, wa alaikum salam, wa rahmatullah, good to see you, bro. Um, so let me just tell you what the score is. So first of all, again, I apologize for the quality of the internet. I hope that you can hear me clearly and that it doesn't uh, uh, glitch. I, the picture, I think, is fine. All right. 
So what's the story? The story is that I am in Cairo in Egypt. Um, we moved here as a family a good few months ago. Okay. Ikhwan um, from, from Malaysia. Oh my goodness. How are you doing, Habibi? How's family, man? Well, it's nice yani, to see all the peoples. We've got Saba from London. Hope uh, dad's good. Brother, sister's all good. Alina, hope sister's all doing good. From Brum and uh, Omar from Scotland. Just show some bit of love here. Brummy, Burmy, uh, Burhan. Well, yani, Midlands anyway. Good to see Mesa. Let's have a thing. We've got Canadians in the house. Mariam, we have Baisha, of course. And uh, I'm glad to see that you're back here. And inshallah, adding some sadaqah jari for your father, inshallah. Harris, no, 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 he's wearing good mood, so he's Harith today. He's Harith today. But if he gets on my nerves yet, yeah, then he's going to be Harith. All right? Make it out very clear. Good to see Bilal from the States, everybody. Maisara, uh, Auntie Shaquille is here. MashaAllah. Amraqaya is here. And uh, Abid Khan could be any of 15 Abid Khans, so that's yani, not going to help us, to be honest. Uh, we've got lots of Yanni Mank folks in here. We've got Shabnam well done. Oh, mashallah, Sweden in the house. Mahboob's here as well. Naeem, my boy, Yanni from London, he's done a great job with the app. He's getting it hopefully uh, sorted for next uh, week. Zafar the snake, Yanni, stabbing me in the back, Yanni, as always. Snake, Yanni, by the way, he wants to mess with me, yeah? You're messing with the wrong guy. Zafar got 20% in his own exam, the one that he wrote, 20%. Okay, this is everybody, let the world know. Dina, welcome. Jordanians in the house, everybody there, mashallah. Uh, actually, there's so many people here, mashallah. Lutz, alayki wa alaykum jami'an. Assalamu rahmatullah. Good to see you. Hope my boy Cam's good. Where's my girl Amelia? And where's the little sweetie himself? Um, Arfan, my boy. Listen, I've got to give respect. This is the beginning, man. Zakaria gangster. Oh, Hassan is here. Hassan is here. Ruhi smashing it as always. States still getting the best scores. Well, I can't, yani, I can't, I can't uh, spill the beans, but next week. Brahm is representing Sabra's here as well. My goodness, so many people. MashaAllah. Anyway, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all and reward you all for making this effort and keeping up with this. Okay, I really appreciate it. Oh, sugar. I think Mahmoud Jilani, by the way, obviously you need to know, yeah, that as I was saying to Bob's, that the only person on this planet that calls Bob's Mahmoud Jilani is my dad, by the way. We were talking about my dad. And he's the only person in, on humanity that actually calls him Mahmoud Jalani. I bet you didn't even know his name was Mahmoud. That's right. Useless Uncle Bob's, yeah? Useless fish. Did you know it was his name was uh, uh, Mahmoud? Yeah. You little rat. Bob's Issa didn't even know that. They're all rats. These kids are all rats, okay? Anyway, um, uh, so let's have a look here. Farah from Manchester, welcome everybody. Mashallah, Florida's in the house. Naima, very good. Rivers, sick guy. Jeeva's, oh, Jeeva's doing a watch party, you sick guy. Bro, eat two pizzas for me. Bian, Widad, they're all smashing it. That is it. Aisha's there. That's it. Mariam, Allah. Hope you're good. Siraj's good. The kids are good. Burhan, that's why I said Midlands, mid part of Yanni town. That's why I said, I know it's Yanni, you know. But you only come to the Berman classes, isn't it? Anyway, so, you know what it is, Sarah, I'm not even joking. I said in the group, Egyptian food is so lame, it's literally unbelievable. My boy Danish is here, sick guy, legend. There's too many people, I can't, I've got to stop shouting people out because the people on the audio, they're going to be freaking out now, right? I'm pointing at the audio machine, I'm looking at you audio people, podcast people, I apologize to you. 
there's way too much hate and it's very visual at the moment so uh, we're going to think rah my boy AZ AZ what is this Eid that you came in did the apples yani, were, that, were they that sweet you didn't choke on them mashallah that you actually came to the class come on listen this girl's on my, doing my nothing I need to get her to bed this way round this way round okay go on say salams and then leave us alone right okay come on come on any message you want to say to them because they've all been waiting for you and then I know that you're the one who's just going to keep asking for come on here speak to them uh... what's your message for people 10 years now this class has been going on what's the Muslim news um, I just want to say assalamu alaikum everyone hope how you are I feel you're good hope how you are uh... bro don't tell me you've forgotten English in literally three months Right. Okay. Right. Come on. Make it a good message. Make it common sense. Say beneficial things. Yeah, uh, benefit them like I do every second. Um. So uh, I think uh, I hope that everything is nice there. I hope that I nice there. Where? Where do you think they all are? Sitting in a room somewhere. Uh, in England. Do you think all these people are in England? Uh, the people who are giving you the biggest shout outs. They're coming. Look, there's Auntie Aisha and she's in the Philippines. And Umruqiyya, Auntie Umruqiyya is in America. And who else is saying hello and thingy? Uh, uh, who else is saying hello? Let's see. Zakaria is attacking as always is in London. And Dean, Auntie Dina is in Jordan. So they're not in one room, bro. They're from all over the place. <laughs> right. So wherever you are, I just want to say assalamu alaikum. Oh, right, that um, I hope that everything going well and there's no uh, bad times and See? You don't, I bet you don't even know where Ghana is. Where's Ghana going? Uh, oh, you, you let me down, bro. You let me down, man. All right. Uh, so you gonna go to bed now? Yeah. Okay. By the way, Hiba said that the biggest problem with this class is that we couldn't bring in the axe. That's what she said to me earlier on. And she said that we can't, that's the problem, that security wouldn't allow it. And I said that's the problem, security wouldn't allow it. So the axe is missing. See? Auntie Fatima says, Salam's from Nigeria. Bro, you have no idea. Okay? These places are close to us, in the same place here in Africa. Where in Africa? Do you know that, by the way? You have no idea. What's Africa? Africa's a country. Yeah, well done. Thank you very much. You listen to me. I always said that you're your mom's daughter. Okay, All right? Not mine. You're so mean. You're so mean. You little fish. Right? How about straight to bed? Okay, straight to bed. All right. Um, uh, where are we now? So let me tell you the story very quickly, so that everybody then is nice and relaxed. And why is that? We've got. Um, uh, why is it that we've got this kind of you know pseudo setup right here and using yani this kind of country uh, using this kind of uh, this yani Bandu yani Badu style approach? Reason for that is because we as a family moved to Cairo uh, to continue studies. For my wife to continue with her certificates, for the kids to continue Arabic and the Quran and all the, the studying yani further studies, etc. etc. And I would be back and forth as usual. Um, and that's what happened. And um, uh, so that's been, that's been going. Obviously, a lot of you folks know about what happened to my parents. My parents were here during Eid with the rest of my family and sister, brother, whatever. She became ill. 
and uh, serious operation. Alhamdulillah, she's doing a lot better. All right, and uh, she's going to remain here for a little while because the care for her here at the moment is better. She's not really in a state to move, so that's um, that's something. By the way, everybody, a reminder to press the uh, live button on your YouTube uh, video. Okay, some people are not live, so if you look at the YouTube link, just press live and it press it and it will go red. And as long as it's red, you know that you're up to date. If it's not red, you're behind. Okay, you're behind. Anyway, so mum's doing better and I'll be back soon. But to get back, I have to go through a few things, this, that, blah, blah, blah. So um, we're here for a while. We'll take advantage of the, uh, the, the, the whole pandemic kind of scenario. And uh, we'll be here for a little while. But I'll be all over the place. I've got a lot of stuff I've got to get done. I've got work. I've got... Uh, healthcare stuff, pharmacy stuff to be doing. I have business work to be doing, and uh, want to carry on doing some classes. Hopefully, um, if things go okay, then the October-November classes that I planned are going to go ahead as well. Busy schedule, some exciting news which I'm going to break in Shah next week. I hope exclusive to you. Um, and there's also an Umrah coming up, which I just want you to know that uh, the details will go to those that have signed up on the Umrah mailing list. Um, they'll get that information either late tonight or tomorrow morning it's enough for you to know that we are going ahead October 21st open to all countries it's very limited space though so they're going to get priority not going to be bad yani logical progression for the first time uh, the folks are going to be second on their list of being able to book because they have to be given first shell um, end of October October 21st until the 30th and there's a lot of discussion. I'll maybe speak about that another day because of this class has already been going on for 13 minutes of waffle. And I know that people get upset and Mesa is literally pulling all her hair out. So um, that I think uh, follows that. Got a bit bunged up at the moment. So just uh, uh, f uh, forgive me for that as well. Otherwise, I was a lot worse. But I'm, yani, it's made, I'm being made to feel a lot better through your presence, virtual presence. Folks. Let's get to the class itself. We might have some new people, and uh, I'm not sure if we do or not, okay? But Jazallah uh, khair to Zakaria right on time. He has put the text. We already have this text. Now, for those who are new, okay, this portal that you, you are on is absolutely amazing, all right? Even the app is repl replicating quite a lot of this. Um, and that will even get better as well. But the one that you have online, you know, the actual uh, thing, um, is amazing. And if you look at the top, you've got resources, lessons. Every single lesson that we've recorded is there. And for those who are joining new and you're thinking, oh my God. So, uh, Samira, welcome. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, for you, Samira Ammar, I'm talking about. Um, don't get overwhelmed by things, okay? Uh, there's a lot of resources. And uh, guys, post uh, uh, without uh, Sarah. Sarah do the telegram uh, group thing um, everybody who's new here click on the next link which joins you to the telegram group that's where we are and we will be um, that's where we chat and talk and you start to learn the ropes whatever this is obviously is only used for the lessons it's got so much resources here and, and those who are thinking year 10 how the hell am I going to catch up there are summary lessons and summary documents which means that within a few hours you could get actually to where we are alright so that's that Let's have the Telegram link, and those who are new, press on that group and join it, okay? Now, that being said, let's now start 
And where we're going to start, we're going to start with the notes. And actually, if you look on the portal, you'll see on the left-hand side, if you scroll down a bit, and you'll see that the video is quite clever, it kind of comes down as well. You will see that you have discussion, which is what the default is on. So you can see everybody's uh, uh, comments. And you will see Zakala Shazad. So everybody now click on Shazad's link. This will allow you to join the thing. Is that our chat group? Make sure it's not the channel. Or do you join that and you go in the channel as well? I can't remember. But anyway, if you look at your notes, that's a, that's an opportunity for you to write your own notes and save them. But maybe it's better for you to write them separately. It's up to you. Study material is the one that I want you to press on if you're new. And you'll see that it gives you a document. That is the Arabic commentary that we're going through. I'm explaining it and translating it. It's in Arabic for those that like it in Arabic. But those who don't, then you click on Zad al-Mustaqni'a. Which is the English, which is the text that we are explaining, right? The text itself of Imam al-Hajjawi, this small book on fiqh, which has then been given a big commentary to by the in the Arabic version of Sharh al-Mumti'ah, and then I've translated this particular section below. As you can see, this is currently the supererogatory prayer, which means the non-obligatory prayer, not voluntary prayer, the non-obligatory prayers, and we are, we've covered a lot of this section, and where we are now is in the Arabic part, which is um, what which Zakaria actually posted in the comment section. And that says, وَالتَّرَاوِيحُ عِشْرُونَ رَكَعَةٍ تُفْعَلُوا فِي جَمَاعَةٍ مَعَ الْوِتْرِ بَعْدَ الْإِشَاءِ فِي رَمَضَانِ وَيُوتِرُوا الْمُتَحَجِّدُ بَعْدَهُ فَإِنْ تَبِعَ إِمَامَهُ شَفَعُهُ بِرَكَعَةٍ Alright, that's the portion that we are covering today. Everything above it we did last year. And you can find a summary above as well. Now if you look at the translation of that particular section, it is as follows. As Zakaria has posted in the comment section. That is, the Taraweeh prayer is 20 units performed in congregation along with Witter. After Isha during Ramadan. The one performing Tahajjud performs Witr after it. If he is praying Witr with his Imam, he makes it even with a single unit. It is disliked to perform further supererogatory prayers in between, meaning the Taraweeh itself, unlike praying the Ta'aqib prayer, which they're making an exception for. We'll explain that. In congregation, so not taqib by yourself, but taqib in congregation. That's the actual legal text. We are now going to spend the next couple of sessions explaining what this means, and that is basically for all you new folks how it goes. We basically uh, uh, put the text. You've got it in Arabic and in English, and then I explain it. Okay, folks. So I'm pretty sure that you guys now are comfortable with what's going on. With those who are established students, I appreciate your patience. I know that you understand. I have to do that. For the first time round, yeah? For the first time round, I do need to do that. Um, so that everybody's on the same page. Right, so in the, uh, in the uh, thingy, in the, the text itself, uh, of a Sharh al-Mumti, for those who want to follow now in the Arabic, okay? Then we're on, uh, we're in volume four, miraculously, who would have thought? Not me. Okay, volume four, page 48, all right? Page 48, Sheikh Uthameen starts with his statement, that taraweeh 
is 20. All right? Now, I want to do a couple of things in this particular introduction. I want to speak freely by myself. I want to almost literally translate what Sheikh Uthaymeen says. And I also want to add a few notes from Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shanqiti, Hafizahullah, uh, the Imam and Faqih of Medina. I want to add some of his points just randomly, and I think I'll do that in my own little kind of monologue. All right? Um, I want to explain the what's going on and first of all I'm going to start at the very very top everyone knows what uh, taraweeh is even though there's not a, a, a Muslim on the planet that calls it like that taraweeh, taraweeh, taraweeh and taraweeh and depending upon the end what part of Punjab you're from taraweeh and all the rest of it yeah actually the Arabic word is taraweeh and what's fascinating about this Arabic word taraweeh is that it is not, of course, a word from the Sunnah. It's not a word that was used by the Prophet ﷺ. And it's not something which was known in his era, meaning during his lifetime, meaning sometimes it was not, not something, something might not be the Sunnah, but it's known amongst the people. No, this was, uh, this is entirely a new word. But is it new like, yani? new phrases of today? No, it's new in that it came later with the companions. So what does a word mean? And where did it come from? And what's he referring to? So let me do my monologue, then we'll jump into what Sheikh Uthameen is saying. Taraweeh in the Arabic language is on the weight of tafa'il. Okay? You know when you study Arabic, you will know that, that all words have a certain shape. Taraweeh is on the template of Tafa'il. Okay? And its original uh, uh, verb is Raha. Alright? Ra and then Ya and then Ha. Right? So it's Raha. Now, when you put Raha into uh, Tafa'il, you get Taraweeh. Not uh, thingy. Um, uh, not ra ya ha ra waw ha okay ra waw ha waw with the mad i mean so taraweeh comes from raha and raha means to take a rest to take a break to chill yani istarih we say you know to a person seek yani some rest which basically means sit down so we say istarih or we go to a mustarah yani when you say to a person istarih Seek, yani, we mean sit down, relax, take it easy, chill, right? When you go to Mustaraha or Mustarah, that's a place where you relax. So seeking Raha, okay? Taraweeh is a moment or an opportunity to rest. That's how the word Taraweeh came about and that's what it means. And technically, Taraweeh was the name given to the Rahat or the Raha moments that yani, that the that the people used to take as an opportunity to rest when they were praying the Taraweeh prayer, which is the night prayer, which is a long prayer, which is a knackering prayer. And so therefore they had a system where they would take regular breaks. And we're gonna realize later when they would take these breaks. They would take the breaks. They would then sit down, a little bit of chat, a little bit of relax, a little bit of energy back into the legs before they stand up and pray again. And because of these breaks, 
right? The Zraha that was being taken, they named the entire prayer the, 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 the chill prayer or the prayer of rest breaks, the prayer of breaks. And that's why it's called Taraweeh, the Taraweeh prayer. So that's where the name comes from. It was not chosen by the Prophet ﷺ. It wasn't even chosen by Umar radiallahu and all the companions, but the people knew it as that. And that's why when you look in the books of fiqh or hadith in the early times, you will not find the word taraweeh anywhere. It's called qiyamul layl, the night prayer. Now obviously taraweeh is a phrase and a reality restricted to Ramadan. The actual prayer that we are covering is the night prayer, qiyamul layl, the standing at night. And that happens every single day, every single night throughout the year. But in Ramadan, it takes on an extra special uh, Status. Now, now I'm going to go into my monologue proper, all right, without having to break too much, so that you understand exactly what's going on. The night prayer is a defining uh, characteristic for the believer. It really separates uh, the 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 good from the not so good, all right. It's something which is a a uh, very powerful tool. It's very much the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. It was literally obligatory upon him. He was almost yani, obligated to make it yani, not only every night, but very long and high quality to set an example to the ummah. It's something which this Muslim uh, world has been doing for ages. I'll tell you something that you might think, obviously, in the West, when living in the West, you see few people do it, only like our odd elders here and there. Um, but the truth is, is that the West... Um, neither the climate, neither the timings, neither the latitude, and neither the people make that reality easy. However, subhanAllah, always and forever, in the Muslim countries, um, it's been something which is very well practiced. And one of the main reasons for that is because of the adhan. Because people do not naturally depend upon alarm clocks to wake up, okay? So I want you to know that we are a victim of our own technological advancement. There's no such thing as an alarm clock in real life, okay? Um, and, and the good people don't even have alarm clocks, frankly, right? People who are mutawwidin and who are used to habitually doing good and doing sensible stuff and are disciplined people, they don't need these things. They go to sleep early, uh, uh, straight after Isha, as is the sunnah, and they will get the sleep that they need. And by the way, going to sleep early after Isha, when uh, back in the day, or even currently in some parts of the Muslim world, where there's no light pollution, where there's not lots of electricity and there's not availability, whatever, means that there's not this continual entertainment source. People on their phones, people watching things, there's none of that around. So people don't have much reason to hang around. So they go to sleep early. And if you go to sleep early, you'll awake early and you won't need an alarm clock. I'm, I'm a person, for example, who can wake up. If I go to sleep proper on time, I don't need an alarm clock. That's me, the sin of all sinners living in the dunya of all dunyas outside. So when I come to a Muslim country here, the ability to swap, to swap into tahajjud mode is so easy because the people are not being woken up by an alarm clock but being woken up by the adhan. And the adhan by definition has to be at the beginning time to indicate that the salah has started. And so therefore what you're realizing is that the latest that you're going to wake up, the sinner even, Right? Or, the, or the one who's going to sleep late is the adhan. Okay? The latest that you're going to wake up. This is the general reality. Obviously, there are many exceptions of, from the Muslims who are not doing this, but you know, I want you to understand what, what I'm trying to explain. The basic people, the latest you're waking up is by the adhan. If you are going to sleep early, 
you will start to wake up before the adhan. And when you are awake before the adhan, you'd be a fool to not knock out a couple of raka'ah of qiyamul layl. And so I want you to know that yeah, if you're awake, you make wudu, and especially if you're going to the masjid, then you're going to go out and it's going to take a little while to walk there. And, they, and if you're in a part of the world where they pray the, 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 the prayer at its beginning time, then you will need to actually in some places, like for example, where I'm living here right now in Cairo, um, the masjid that I choose to go to, a proper masjid, if I don't leave before the adhan or on the adhan, then I'm not going to make it. Now that, by the way, fits perfectly with the action of the Muslims, of there being two adhans. You remember in the chapter of the adhan, we spoke about this, the adhan of Bilal and the adhan of Umm Maktoum, Abdullah ibn Umm Maktoum. Um, the, the first adhan of Bilal is the one, in our opinion, which contains the extra words of As-Salatu Khayru Min Al-Nawm, right? Waking people up, and that is like an hour or whatever before Fajr time. It's an adhan to wake people up, to pray to Hajjud, to finish off the witr if they haven't prayed it, and to wake up for doing suhoor for those who are fasting, which were three regular actions of the believers and the righteous and the masses back in day, certainly, obviously now not much so. The second adhan, which is should actually be given normally with no because you're not sleeping, bro. Everybody's awake. And now the prayer has started. And within a few minutes, the Prophet was establishing the Fadr prayer. The iqama is being given. The Prophet sunnah prayer is so light. We covered it before of Fajr. So light. Some of the scholars, some of the companions used to think that he's not even reciting a surah. They said that it's so quick that it sounds like it's just surah al-Fatiha, surah al-Fatiha. So that gives you an indication of how quickly the uh, fard prayer was being established. And if you've got any kind of distance to walk for the masjid, that means that you've got no time, right, to pray. So uh, no time to be yani, wasting around. So you're well awake by the fajr adhan. And you are actually being woken up by the pre-Bilal, the pre-fajr adhan, by Bilal, and even in the cities like in Cairo, Mecca obviously today is the only place that you get to see that and certain religious centers around the world I've lived in and I've studied in, okay, in Afghanistan, in Kashmir, in Pakistan, in certain parts of Mauritania, in these places where you're amongst the practicing people who are not just practicing community but also students of knowledge. Students of knowledge forget that it's not just the knowledge which increases, but your ibadah has to increase as well. So we were expected to be up with our game. There you do get that adhan formally. But in the big cities and metropolises and Muslim kind of parts, you don't get that. But I just said that even in these areas that don't have that adhan before the hour before, you're waking up just to be able to get to masjid to pray on fajr on time. So what I want to say is that qiyamul layl is actually a very natural reality to people who live their life proper, who are disciplined, who are not slaves to society and devices and Netflix and YouTube and, 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 or just chatting with mates and hanging around and eating late and all the bad habits that we all know that we all do. So qiyamul layl is part and parcel of our life. Unfortunately for us, we only discover it in Ramadan. Now, that's not the end of the world because in Ramadan it becomes extra special and extra rewarded. The Prophet ﷺ said, Man qama Ramadan, imanan wahtisaban, ghufira lahuma taqaddama min dhanbihi, which is a hadith which gives a reward that has not been mentioned for the other nights of Qiyamul Layl. So we've got so many rewards for Qiyamul Layl, of course, and how it's a sign of the believer and a sign of the mutaqeen. I think we covered that a couple of lessons back last year. 
But for Ramadan, we get that, for the Taraweeh, we get that extra uh, uh, addition to the game because it says that whoever spends the entire Laylatul, uh, whoever spends the entire uh, uh, Ramadan in the night uh, uh, standing in prayer, okay, the nights of Ramadan as an extra motivation, all their previous sins are forgiven. That's an extra, that's above and beyond. So that's very nice. And so that yani, means that we gather it. And then as you know, uh, the Muslims are always into big congregational things and we're going to come to that now, of course, yani, where the Taraweeh come from, why is it so well supported and attended? Why is it yani, that the Muslims are so big on this? By the way, I must be the, this, you must be in raptures and I must be giving the greatest lecture in human history, which I definitely am not, because everybody's just gone silent and that's a bit, a bit scary. Uh, 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 Sarah, don't say that because... Um, uh, anyway, maybe it was alright Okay then, uh, but you are the first comment in 12 minutes Alright, you literally gave me a heart attack Alright, which is good by the way Which is good by the way But, yeah, and you know what I mean I started getting worried because everything's cutting off here and there Alright, so let's rewind back now So, um, the night prayer, as I said, it was uh, It was uh, it is something in the West. Well, I, I feel it. I'm an average guy like you guys. I don't get to pray regularly. Yani when I'm back in the West, when I'm in the Muslim countries, I hardly, I hardly miss it. And that's not because I'm a nice guy or religious or X or Y. It's because the system of Islam in Muslim countries, the unspoken and the unconscious kind of realities, actually benefit living amongst Muslims. That's what you've got to take advantage of. Now. You've got to have your mind tuned to taking advantage of these unconscious kind of hidden realities. Like I just said, um, go, you know, uh, 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 recognizing that I don't have all of my friends and all of the waste of time yani, that I would normally have in the West. And, and recognizing that the adhan is being made, let me use it yani, in a powerful way and then take advantage of it. But if you're not seeing it like that, then obviously you're not going to take advantage of it. So the night prayer is standard fare. And even though uh, not many people do it, but in Muslim countries, many people are still doing it. And of course, this is one of the reasons why when we go back to the West and we see it from our parents or our grandparents, certainly elderly parents, uh, not the parents. If you're younger, like in your 20s, you're not seeing it from your 40, 50 year old parents. OK, that's the fact. But if you're my age and your 30s and 40s, you are seeing it from your parents and you're seeing it from your grandparents because they've got used to it from their Muslim experience in Muslim countries, not because they're more religious or anything like that. Yes, they're getting older and they feel more desperate and they feel they've got more time and whatever. But I want you to know that they, uh, their sleep changes, they don't have to, you know, they become a bit more disciplined. You'll see the elderly being more careful when it comes to little things, whether it's food or this or that. They become habitual. And that's exactly what we don't have in the West. We don't like habit. We just are wild. You know, we just want consume, 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 consume. And give me new, 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 new. And, you know, let's do things quicker, 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 quicker. Whereas the old school, the, the elders, they, are, they just have no need for it. They just don't get excited by it. They like stability. They like process. They like procedure. They like normality. They like, you know. So all of this plays in. Now we come to Ramadan. The Prophet ﷺ, he wants to advertise the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is offering much, much more reward, grand reward, and even more so in the last 10 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani, puts the Laylatul Qadr and that night, yani, obviously Laylatul Qadr, he didn't call it Yawm Al-Qadr. So yani, you know, we're, again, we're talking about reviving nights, 
and to fill the nights full of ibadah and to really prove yourself and to really take opportunity and then he chucks in another night and it's not actually one night because we will get rewarded according to our intention and if you're seeking it like as is the sunnah in all of the ten nights you are being rewarded for all of your ta'ab, all of your effort, all of your niyyah. So all of the last 10 nights have been given extra bonuses. And then if you hit the Laylatul Qadr, and it's again Layla, which means that ibadah has to be done, done, then it's something that needs to be advertised. The Prophet goes ahead and does that. Now, the Muslims respond massively. When he first establishes this in Ramadan in Medina, so it's not in Mecca, it's not early Medina, it's late in the Medinan uh, phase, okay? And the Ramadan starts and he comes out late after Isha and he starts praying. And there are only a couple of people around, all right? And they they like, oh, wow, Prophet Hassan is praying one of his Tahajjud prayers with us. And they jumped on that. So on the first night, there was a small group and they loved it. The word got around. Second night, places rammed. Masjid Nabwi rammed. Absolute madness. And... They're all praying this, this night prayer with the Prophet ﷺ and they're killing it. Third night, not, no breathing space, men, women all smashed it. And what are they doing right now? They are praying Qiyamul Layl, the night prayer with the Prophet ﷺ, and it will be described later what actually he was praying. But they're praying this late. And when I say late, revise back a couple of years when we did the prayer times, we are talking the, the, after a third of the night has already gone. And so if we're talking like, you know, a standard eight hour night and the night starts from Maghrib until the Fajr start time, that's the night. Okay. So if that's an eight hour night, then after about two and a half hours, not the beginning time. So around, yeah, I need after two and a half, three, because we have other hadith as well that said that he would pray after a third of the night and a half of the night. So yeah, I need half is four hours. A third is two and a half odd hours, two points, you know, two and three quarter hours. So after three hours, so in, in today's time, the Prophet ﷺ will be praying Isha at half 11, 11, which you guys know, if the Isha is starting at 8 o'clock, no one's praying that, because you, you must be joking, right? Because you're so tired, you've got to wake up, blah, blah, blah. But the Prophet ﷺ is praying it like that, and he is trying to push the boat, and he wants to encourage the people to make that effort. And then he realized that the companions, it was very difficult for them. This is now outside of Ramadan I'm talking about. He would see them, that they'd be sitting there, they'd be, you know, going to sleep whilst they're sitting there. And, you know, so then he then starts to bring it a little bit earlier because he realizes that it's yani, too much. So Isha can be prayed after Isha. And that's what the Muslims do. And there's no problem with that. But I'm saying that the Prophet ﷺ, this is a month of ibadah. He's already busted hadith, yani, telling people that, listen, whoever spends a night of at the nights of Ramadan praying. So everyone's in mad mode anyway, beast mode, and they're happy to pray Isha late and then all the Taraweeh late and pray all night until Suhoor, so four or five hours, okay, after as well. And now you should know that the Prophet ﷺ did not pray more than eight rak'ah. Okay, we know that. Even the hadith that mentioned ten, they are, some are interpreting that. The hadith in Bukhari are very clear. Aisha said that the Prophet ﷺ in Ramadan did not pray more than eight rak'ah and then follow it with three witr. Abdullah ibn Abbas said that he prayed 10 raka'ah and then followed it by witr. Did he only do one witr on that one? Yes, some narrations indicate that. Other narrations indicate that he prayed 10 and then 3 witr. This is going to become part of our discussion when it comes to the number later. So the Prophet did not pray many raka'at in terms of number. However, these two units that he would pray, 2 and 2 and 2 and 2, they were mega long. 
mega long. We're talking an hour at least. We have many other ahadith that he would recite Baqarah in one, and Al-Imran in another, and Nisa in another. This kind of long, right? Because his aim is to pray as much of the night. He starts that on the first night. Second night, he's got a big crowd. They join him. Third night, ram to the rafters. Everyone's loving it. Fourth night, all the masses are there, waiting, waiting, waiting. Nothing. The Prophet doesn't come out. He comes out the next morning on the fifth day. And he sees the people in the evening. And, you know, he says to them, don't think that I didn't know that you lot were there and waiting for me and whatever, or that I forgot or whatever. Actually, I know exactly what was going on and I didn't come out intentionally because I was afraid that this prayer will become obligatory upon you. Okay? Um, so out of his gentleness and his uh, and kindness to us, because that kind of level of, of ibadah is difficult to do يعني, uh, every night and then that length as well. يعني, that's a big ask. And so he وسلم, knew that if I continue doing this every night, then it will become obligatory upon you like it's obligatory upon me. Remember, don't forget that the night prayer was obligatory upon the Prophet وسلم, according to the يعني, dominant position, Allahu A'lam. And um, he didn't want that. And what a blessing that he stayed in, which indicates why we're covering Taraweeh now. And we didn't cover it three years ago in obligatory prayers. We are covering it in the uh, Salat al-Tatawwa, the non-obligatory, the supererogatory prayer. Why? Because of this hadith and other ahadith that he didn't come out and make us insist that we pray. Even though he وسلم, is the one who a told us that in Ramadan we should pray it. And then so many ahadith the Prophet said, yani spread the salam and feed the people and and pray by night time and the people are whilst the people are asleep. This hadith, by the way, famous uh, this hadith everybody knows uh, uh, and loves. It's a beautiful hadith. I just want to tell you something about this hadith, which is because I, I will forget this later on in this monologue because it's a problem in monologues, I'm all over the place. But the Prophet ﷺ in this hadith, where he said, feed the people, uh, spread the salam to people, meaning give salam to everybody, not just your mates, and feed the people, meaning give as much sadaqah and look after the weaker members of society, and then pray at night whilst the people are sleeping. This hadith was very early when he arrived in Medina. He wanted to set an ethical, moral kind of standard and behavior for the Muslims to start creating that habit. So from the earliest time, the night prayer has been established. But what's very interesting is that nobody knew about the night prayer at that time. Now, if you do not know about a prayer, you want information. And if you are not being given information, then the scholars treat these hadith, what we call as hadith mutlaq, or that the issue is something general and absolute. Yani, con contrast this to the Prophet's statement. Sheikh Al-Tamin makes this part, part point later. He doesn't give this example, but, same, but he'll mention the same point. Uh, contrast this to Witr prayer. In the Witr prayer, the Prophet is super specific. Yani, or the descriptions of him are super specific. Three units he prayed, five units he prayed, 15 units, yani, 11 units he prayed. You know, those who don't know, they only think three units. But those who know, they've seen hadith, which is nine and seven and this and that and whatever. So, by the Prophet ﷺ saying, bil okay, pray at night time in this way, in this open way, he has definitely added relaxation to the issue. 
by not mentioning raka'at, all right, uh, by not yani, restricting it to a certain number, we know that there is flexibility around the entire prayer because he did not call up people or hold people accountable who didn't pray every single night. He then answered another time to another person who asked him, yani, the salatu lil mathna, mathna. That is two units and two units. He didn't say it's only eight units. So we know that it's meant to be whatever person can pray. It's in units of two. Just make sure you pray it. We know that a salah is a minimum of two raka'ah. So as long as you do two, that's a minimum. And we now know from this hadith that there's no maximum. He, he didn't restrict it in his words that were to a certain one. It's Aisha who said, I saw him pray eight. And it's Abdullah ibn Abbas who said, I saw him pray ten. And in another narration, eight. So what you're seeing is some relaxation around the nature of the prayer from evidences both from a primary level and a usuli level as well. The concept of muqayyid and mutlaq. The restrictive hadith which mentions something very much in detail and then general hadith which only speaking about it yani, in a very kind of general, uh, not vague, but a general way. Um, so the Prophet is not coming out also then emphasizes that this is not obligatory and that we don't need to... Um, uh, uh, pray even in Ramadan, even at its most blessed time. You can say this is the first coming of the night prayer. Now the people realize that the great one is to pray in congregation when it's available. And when the Prophet um, Abdullah ibn Abbas is the one who said it was 10. Uh, uh, we'll come to this hadith afterwards. I, 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 I'm, this is a monologue, by the way, off the top of my head. I'll do resources and Translations and stuff in a second. Uh, Away says, I heard that when Aisha radiallahu anha would say the Prophet would never, this doesn't mean never, but it actually meant seldom. No, that's not true. What's true is that Aisha meant seldom and not never when the evidences suggest that she meant seldom and not never. And when the evidences suggest that she meant never, then it is never. That's the accurate position to understand Away's of the wording of Aisha. You are right. She did sometimes mean seldom when she said never. Not al-itlaq, not in an absolute sense. Many times she meant never, and a good number of times she meant seldom. That's a very important mulahada to, to, to make this statement accurate. Okay. Um, now, where was I? Um, what was I saying, man? Right, so the night prayer, uh, Ramadan, uh, so the, the, uh, the Prophet uh, the Prophet then also comes out and he says, uh, All right, um, and other versions, versions of the same hadith. Whoever stands with the Imam uh, until the Imam is finished, right, then that person will have the night of that prayer, the whole night of prayer. Written for him as a reward, even if they only prayed half an hour or one hour or two hours. So then people have also now learned the value of congregation. So they heard this hadith, congregation is clearly an important part, praying with an imam, really important part, and uh, whatever. And so they got it into their hearts and minds that this is what the prayer night prayer should be. And that is the only form of the night prayer, or in Ramadan certainly anyway. And the Prophet ﷺ then needs them in the first two, th- first three nights, which brings more evidence, more strength to this belief. So they're really upon this. But then he smashes that yani, that idea by not coming out on the fourth night, and then not coming out for any single night after that. 
This is the key point. He didn't come out on the 5th or the 7th. In fact, he never prayed as far as I know. As far as I know and the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he did not ever pray taraweeh or the night prayer in Ramadan in congregation with them again after that. I say Allah knows best. I stand to be corrected and I hope someone can bring me some bahth. But as far as I know, he didn't. He only ever prayed that one year three times. Three consecutive nights. Didn't pray again. It's not going to change anything much if he did, by the way. My point will still be valid as it's going to become clear in a second. So up until now, you can imagine that the masses believe that the taraweeh prayer is a big obligatory, big, big congregational must-do thing. If you now study the action of the Prophet and what they and you've got these hadith with saying be do the Imam, then he does it himself, and, and so you can see where they're coming from. Then he he tempers that understanding. He adds nuance and context to it. By not coming out and by making it clear, he's now making it obvious to you that actually the original prayer is your own and individually and privately. And your own yani, effort to memorize Quran and to connect with Allah and to pray by yourself at night time and, 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 and. That actually was more important than praying a nominal prayer in the masjid at a certain time is you reviving the whole night in ibadah. But for those people, and I would present this in the next few weeks and months, because I've got an opinion here, which I know a lot of people uh, define controversial, didn't like it. I do believe actually that the taraweeh prayer in its essence is about individual prayer. And all of the hadith that speak about its, its excellence in congregation and its power in congregation is only for the people who don't know Quran or don't read Quran and are not yani, proficient in the Quran. For those that are, they should be taking it upon themselves. This is controversial and correctly so and, 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 and validly so. Uh, as, well, as, you, as you'll see when the evidence are gathered. But let's just go to what happened next. The Prophet ﷺ passes away not too long after that and the prayer has stopped as a congregational formal prayer in Ramadan. It's stopped. What has replaced it? People praying individually. People praying individually in their homes. Remember, very small spaces, these homes. All right? And so you'll see that they were praying it in the masjid but in Ramadan, loads of them. The night prayer is also an interesting prayer in that it's not silent. The night is a time of loudness. That's why Fajr, Maghrib and Isha are loud prayers. It's quiet and it's time to recite loudly. One of the wisdoms behind the Jahri, loud prayers being at this time versus the uh, day people hear it, whatever. Reciting out loud during Dhuhr and Asr is almost wasted because it's so noisy. People working and people busy and business and animals and dogs and God knows what. Whereas... Uh, night time, it's silent, people hear it, people benefit from it, people listen to it, people enjoy it. So Maghrib, Isha, Fajr. Likewise, the night prayer, it is a sunnah to also indicate that little bit of loudness. So it's not loud, loud, and it's not quiet, it's somewhere in between uh, in its kind of balance. So, you've got these people who are all praying by themselves, and in the masjid, because it's like an area of prayer and it helps them and whatever. And they're all praying by themselves. They're all praying by themselves. And it's starting to come, become a fitna. It kind of wobbles its way through Abu Bakr's time. Abu Bakr's practice was very interesting, by the way. So if we're taking a timeline, 
Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he's the khilaf, khalifa of the Muslims, and he is, you know, in a great position uh, 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 as an imam and scholar, and yani, uh, his ibadah is of a different level as well, and yet we don't see him leading the night prayer as, as a community leader, as a community imam, even though he leads the obligatory prayers. He led the obligatory prayers at the time of the Prophet of course he's leading the prayer yani, after him. And yet we don't see him leading salah. In actual fact, the narrations that I know of, and again, I stand to be corrected. If someone can do a bahf and prove it, I will be very excited actually and happy to take that. Uh, but the authentic narrations that I know that you'll see in the Musannafat, okay, are of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq praying the night prayer every night, of course, but in Ramadan with his family, privately, at home. And we know that's the action of the Prophet anyway. But I mean this in Ramadan. And we know that some of the servants of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq are narrated to have said that, you know, we used to stand with Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and we used to be worried that we would miss uh, suhoor because he's just praying on and on and on. So I want you to know that yani, the night prayer, even in Ramadan and outside Ramadan, to the senior quality people was always about long prayers and by yourself and not really yani, public, and not really requiring a congregation as a condition. But that's only for a few of the companions. The masses, and don't seem to think, don't yani, get this idea in your mind that our people are the companions, or the tabi'een, all of them are great big scholars. They weren't. Some were just really great Muslims. Just yani, honest people, simple people, Bedouins, there's traders, workers, there's people who are just warriors, like fighters, like you know, smashing it and saving the Muslims are the greatest people on the planet. But they don't all have knowledge. They're not all scholars. They're not all you know, people who do massive amount of ibadah. There's people who sin and there's people who make mistakes. This is a misconception that we have. And so a lot of people couldn't have that kind of ibadah at home or have that portion. So they were going to the masjid and they weren't seeing the congregation. So they were praying themselves at least using their spiritual power, their energy, Okay, from the surroundings and praying by themselves. And uh, Abu Bakr passes and that continues and Umar takes over and Umar in his, uh, radiallahu an, in his power, uh, his reign, he's not happy with this and he sees this behavior. And you know, Umar is one of these kind of, you know, we know so well that in his reign, he's got a longer time, a lot of stability. Abu Bakr has cleaned everything up before him. No fitna, nothing, any all of the, the nonsense that occurs yani, after uh, Ali radiallahu anh, takes over and the political instability. No, Umar is yani, enjoying a good time, a lot of expansion of the Muslim world, and he's got great people and yani, senior companions. And, you know, Bakr yani, sets such a great yani, ground example. So he has this time to go out to markets and masajid and speak to the ladies and ask, What do you want? and ask, you know. So he's around the masajid and looking and seeing these people going in, and people are getting irritated because there are all these individuals that are reciting out loud in the night prayer. And they're causing disturbance and they're causing yani, you know. And so he's like, man, all right. I prayed with the Prophet. He didn't say this anywhere. I'm just trying to give you insight into his thoughts. And I know what happened, but he never forbid, forbid this. He never prohibited it. In actual fact, it's a good thing. This is a good thing. I say that we gather the people under one Imam and because everybody's coming out, they're not in there in the rest of the year, but in Ramadan, they're definitely coming out. So if they're here anyway, and we've got hadith that indicate the excellence anyway, and we've got hadith which also indicate that an imam yani, involved in the game is good as well, 
Yeah, I get that if you can pray by yourself and carry on like the Prophet ﷺ did for the vast majority of the time, then that's better. But these masses clearly aren't doing that. That's why they're here and they're desperate for an imam. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And you have so many narrations of this whole thought process. It's a very famous incident in history. And there's a lot of controversy over the exact wordings, whether it's a, this is a bid'ah hasana, this is a really good yani, innovation or not, whatever. All of this is smokescreens, a red herring. Okay, Students of knowledge ignore this debate. It really is you know, no value in getting in above. Is there such a thing as a bid'ah hasana or not a bid'ah hasana? Can the people innovate and introduce things into the religion? But because Omar said that this is a good innovation, therefore we today can do things. People don't understand, even if it is possible, it's him who did it, not you. Who the fish are you? Right? It's Umar. Umar is al-mulham. He used to receive yani, ilham. Yani, he had a special gift yani, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. Literally, uh, even a hadith is weak. But the hadith is weak, definitely make it clear. Because very famously, 15 years ago, I used to think this hadith is sahih. But the hadith is weak. Um, that if there was a prophet after me, it would be Umar. The Prophet ﷺ was supposed to have said, weak hadith. But the meaning is not a million miles off because he was a person that would make statements and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed many ayat in the Quran where he would agree with the, uh, Umar over the Prophet. ﷺ. Umar is no basic guy. When he says that this is, uh, 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 I can't remember what life fabricated, uh, but yani weak is what I am comfortable with. Fabricated is a big statement. Uh, I don't want to go there without checking it. And it's been uh, years since I checked it. So, he really is Amir al-Mu'mineen and just some, something special. So when he's saying this is bid'ah hasna, he's saying that this is a good thing to do right now, yani to solve this problem, which is not actually even a bid'ah because we know that it was done before. And we know that even Umar, any action that he uh, uh, legislates is a sunnah anyway. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, follow these two, meaning Abu Bakr and Umar. So everything that they do is like a continuation of the Sunnah anyway. So they are excluded from bid'ah anyway. But people, you know, like I said, they just go on and on and on and argue and it's all about nonsense. These are all people who are waste men. They're waste men, just ignore them. What's important is that Umar did establish the Jama'ah. And that now became every night in Ramadan, they would pray under one Imam. And he wasn't going to choose any basic guy. He knew straight away who I want to be my Imam, the one who the Prophet ﷺ prays for his Quran, the one that the Prophet ﷺ would request to recite Quran for him, the one who the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah, that Ubay bin Ka'ab recites the Quran like it was revealed, and, 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 and. And so he said, Where's Ubay? Ubay came. What do you think? All right, if you say it, I'll do it. Yalla, do it. He led it. It became mental. He was smashing it. The companions behind him praying it. And that's what happened. Up until now, all of this is very clear. And you can see the sense behind it. I want you to know now, as part of this monologue, that a number of the companions didn't pray in this congregation. A number of them. I will say straight off the bat, Abdullah ibn Umar. I will say with much less confidence, Abdullah ibn Abbas. But it's not so important, the who's. I want you to know that neither was this prayer obligatory uh, upon anyone, let alone those that are smashing it by themselves. Right? Um, and that's important. But it's a great thing for the masses, for the Muslims, and they were joining it and they were praying. What were they praying? Um, that's where there's dispute and we're going to come over that, okay? We're going to uh, come uh, uh, the dispute over numbers and matters and this and that and whatever. It's like Malihar um, uh, Maybe another 10-15 minutes and we do need to call it. Um, the... Uh, yeah, and what I want to say is that 
um, this prayer, the what we know for a f well, what we know according to the majority and dominant positions, dominant position, vast majority is that these are units of two that are being prayed. We know that for a fact. Fact number one. Fact number two is that we know without any difference of opinion that this used to last for a large portion of the night long long okay those are the only two facts that we have uh, sorry sorry beg your pardon fact number three many hadith authentic athar narrations from the companions that after every four units they would take a break I will speak about this, what this means for later when I do Sheikh Uthameen's part, which I'm probably not even going to do today, actually, ironically. Right? These are the facts. Long prayer split into units of two according to the majority, not everybody, and in groupings of four. Group it how? Grouped in that after every four, there would be a break, a rest, because people are knackered. Because people are knackered. This and that's where the Raha came. And that's when the masses, not Omar, not Obey, not the companions. That's when the masses says, hey, tomorrow there's a Taraweeh prayer. Let's pray the Taraweeh prayer. The prayer that has breaks every four units. That's where it comes from. Right? That prayer that has the breaks every four units. I hope that that makes sense. I hope that that now is starting to create a, uh, a, a, a picture. Now, um, where is difference? The difference of opinion amongst the scholars starts now here with exactly how long, how many units in total, the nature of those units that's where the discussion and the difference occurs why is the discussion and difference because we have so many different narrations most of them differed over whether they are weak or authentic weak and authentic straight off the bat the fact that there is such a discussion amongst about the strength of these hadith in the issue of the nature and the length and the number of units means that it is acceptable to differ over this issue. That doesn't justify you just saying, don't worry about it. We have to try to find out what the correct position is. But you will find now that is justified. Now, what do we know for another semi-fact? We know that a number of the companions for fact, whatever Sheikh Uthameen is going to say later on, whatever a number of scholars of Al-Hadith and other and stricter scholars say later on, we know for a fact that eight units was not stuck to, rigidly. We know for a fact that eight units was prayed by Umar radiallahu anhu. We know that. We know that ten was also prayed. Those, those hadith are going to come. We know that with Ubay. Okay? Exactly like the sunnah of the Prophet what we don't know though is was Umar yani what there's dispute over there's hadith that says that Umar said it should be 20 units like the text says 
and that's it. There are other hadith which say, which, uh, sorry, and there are other scholars that said those same hadith, every single one of them weak, that mentions 20. What will I say? Me. I'll say, that might be, that might be the case. That's a fair point. There are a number of hadith which are weak because of the, the, the narrators in them, and I'll go through these later, which make it clear that we can't depend upon this as a religious imperative. However, you know what there's no doubt about? That eight was not stuck to, that the number did vary. And there's absolutely no doubt, as Ibn Taymiyyah said in uh, his uh, essay on the actions of the people of Medina, that when Imam Malik came to the game, and he started teaching and whatever. You know that in his usul, in his principles, the action of the people of Medina being so close to the time of the Prophet ﷺ had great value. People don't suddenly forget their whole life experiences in three generations or two generations. And so sometimes he might see a hadith which is coming from someone narrated in Iraq, and it might be, you know, some might consider it authentic. It might not be the strongest of hadith. And he will look at everything that's being practiced in Medina, in the message of the Prophet ﷺ, which he's in, and the family, and he's like, well, you know, and he gives preponderance to this amal of Ahlul Medina. And that's, of course, the Maliki Madhab is built upon this principle. There's some discussion about, you know, can it overtake a hadith which is only weak, or can it overtake a hadith which is ahad, singular, narrated, or can it take over an authentic hadith? No, no one said that. But there's, you know, if the weak hadith is not great, then, yeah. So I want you to know that by the time Umar came to the game, uh, Imam Malik came to the game, he was narrated, narrating and stating, as we have in the Muatta, that the companions and the Tabi'een were praying 20 raka'ah. And more than that, we also have 36 raka'ah. So we know that the number was not being stuck to. What's the story? Let me explain. The story here is that the companions were mad for the idea to pray high quality and long and quality prayers. Loved that and they were down for that. But they needed help. It was difficult. Anyone who's prayed, and I'm back in Egypt now, obviously after 10 years, I think it was 10 years ago when we were here with the kids, and it was 10, 15 years before then when I was here, uh, uh, first time round. And then, and 10 years ago, no, it wasn't 10 years ago. My mistake, it was the first time that I was in Egypt, or the second time, or the third time. I think it's the fourth time for us, I can't remember now, but it was the 90s and the early 2000s. I remember vividly, and this is still happening in many Muslim places right now, but I remember myself being part of, back then in Egypt, praying like eight hours, seven hours, right? And the people who were leading these prayers, bro, they were super strict on eight rakah. Let me tell you something. Standing for one hour for one rakah is no joke. It's a leg killer. Quad killer. Bloody blah. I also want to say in 2000, 99, 2001, when I came back to Manchester, could be maybe 96 now, maybe 98 even. That our, one of, my, my Sheikh, my Quran Sheikh, the one who taught me Quran, Sheikh Abdurrahman al Libi, he was one of the uh, masters of Quran that had come back from Afghanistan and he would lead us in Taraweeh in what later became yani, part of, no, not in Makishas. This was what later became, I mean, Makki obviously we used to do all that mad behavior with Hamoud and Sheikh Naim 
as well. And then he would come and do a guest session, Shaz. Yeah, what he would do, if you remember, is that he would come and do a second lot of uh, taraweeh, if you remember. And then that was used to happen in Disbury Mosque as well. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking way before then. What he would do in what later became the Somali community and Furqan, they were just renting a place back then. Um, he would pray by himself and he would pray seven hours. We'd be doing seven, eight hours with him. That was quite common, by the way, in London and in Manchester and in Leicester. These were the three cities and maybe Birmingham as well. In the UK, those days, um, um, uh, obviously it was winterish as well, so nights are long and it's easier. People getting proper sleep and all the rest of it. Um, and we pray long, long, long. And the reason I'm saying this is because it's so difficult, so difficult to pray eight rakah. And the Prophet have you, the Prophet he couldn't handle it either. His legs swelling, this, that, whatever. But he went through the pain barrier. We all know the hadith when Aisha said, you know, come on, man, you're forgiven everything. Your sins are forgiven. Why are you doing this to yourself? He says, yeah, should I not be a grateful servant? Should I not push myself? Should I not taste some pain? He's saying it's painful. You can see the edema in his feet gathering. It's a killer, bro, right? And that's him, sallallahu alayhi wa the strength of 10 men and all of us, Masakin, and we're dying. So... The companions petitioned Umar and the Imams, be easier with us guys, come on, increase the units. So they never, and this is where the people mess up and I get very angry and I've got lots of lectures on this, and lots of rants, more rants than lectures. They never asked it to be reduced in time. They asked for it to be divided into more units. They were wanting to pray the eight hours and seven hours. They just wanted to pray with more units so they can get sit down more, sajda more. Bro, when you're praying a one-hour uh, rakah, being in ruku' is a blessing. You feel like yani, you're, you're on a bed. Sajda is like you're in Jannah. Sajda is like you're in Jannah. you got to understand what's happening. Your body is relaxed. It's like a plank, by the way. Your, your boy here is the plank. Am I the plank king in this house? Yeah. Shaz, by the way, it was one hour thirty. Yeah, I'd made it two minutes. By the way, two minutes, and I beat some of the boys here. But I don't think that they were taking it very seriously. I think they'll beat me. Yeah, but I'm planking. Shaz, you know when you plank for two minutes, yeah, and then you put your feet down on the your knees hit the floor. What's that feeling? Okay. By the way, don't lie to me, Bilal. Okay, you're not impressed. All right, 120 seconds. Today I just saw the video. That the world record was beaten yesterday. Nine bloody hours, bro. What on earth? Nine hours. Bro, I'm telling you, two minutes of plank, my body's dead, everything's dead, and then I put my knees down. <laughs> and you put the knees down, and how do you feel? So imagine then one hour standing and you're going to Sajda. So that's the easy way. Just do a two hours. Because Adil, so that Pakis like me who don't know him can come and speak about this guy and give him props. Daniel Scaloni, whatever. I even know the guy's name. Respect to that guy. And exactly, Fizza, you are weird like I am. All right? He's got an arm condition. And you know how much it hurts. By the way, I don't know if you can see. Yeah, look, you can see there. Since I've been planking, I've got these scars on my arm. Killer. Now I do it on the bed or I do it on a towel or whatever. This guy who broke the record, he's got chronic pain in his arm, meaning it touches the thing, it hurts. And he did it to bring awareness. We're bringing awareness. That's how you bring awareness. You go and cure and smash it. 
You go and smash it. The guy was wearing a, a, a thing here, a sleeve. It's a killer for people with normal arms. He's got chronic arm pain. He wanted to do it, okay, to bring awareness. Wallah, the guy brought awareness. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, anyway. So, uh, when you... Uh, so, they wanted 20 rakah. Okay. They wanted to increase it. Is that money outside? All that time. Why? Nobody locked order, little fish. Don't blame us. And what happens if you do that? Oh, shut up. That for an hour. Get out of here, little fish. <laughs> Un- unbelievable. We'll give you beats. Right. So, um, <laughs> little rushy as Gus, man. Um, so, and we don't even have uh, Zara, them saying 20. They wanted more units. That's why you have these narrations that mention 40 and 20 and 36. Okay? And so you're seeing that they're getting what they want. That little amount of ease in the praying, but not in a reduction in the length. No reduction in the overall length. So they're still going at it. And this is why it makes me so mad that the fools today who argue for 8 over 20 or 20 over 8, they would be so angry at each other and they will think each other person is deviant and they are scum and blah, 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 and they are bidah people and they are off the, the thingy, whatever, whatnot. They hate each other so much. They disagree so much. But the one thing that both parties agree with, agree with is that as long as we pray in one hour, then that's the, you know, we can be friends. Bagheret people. Bagheret people. That's why when it happens when you leave these people, even the scholars amongst them, bagheret, yani, that they are arguing over this point. Right? At least argue over the point in the right context then. Give that person his eight and give that person their 20, right? Uh, and allow the, the, you know, I'm happy to accept any of these positions if you accept this, the, 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 the ruh, the spirit of the mas'ala, the issue. And, um, and uh, uh, you know, pray long night, yani, you know, بدون غيرة, Zakaria, type, write it how, uh, however you want. I know that you know what بغيرت means, but... For the non-Urdu uh, speakers, those who don't even have any ghira, I don't have any, any shame. Anyway, so, um, so they got their wish, and Umar allowed that to be prayed, okay? And, and uh, uh, the, 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 the different imams, they started yani, to, to have different yani, habits, 20 and 36 and whatever, whatnot. We're still having raha after four units. We're still having, yani... Uh, uh, breaks and the prayer is still going on long but the companions are relaxed with the overall number they're happy to help the people as well whereas those that want to still stick to being legit and doing it the right way they were like you know what it is that's great we accept that but the way that the Prophet ﷺ did it was 8 and we'll stick to 8 in 2 and even if we can't make it very long I will do it shorter according to our ability but at least copy the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And those were a minority of people, whereas the majority of the imams, they went with the majority of the action of the people of Medina, the tabi'een, the companions. And 20 units became a standard figure, a yardstick, and it became the position of the four imams. So much so that it became almost an ijma'ah, that taraweeh, 20 units, just like the statement starts off. 
now you know where it came from. It's not a divine statement. It's not a hadith of the Prophet It's not even, in my opinion, authentically a statement of Umar. It is an option that was always open from the beginning. The Prophet never negated 20 as an option. He left that by saying open prayer, twos and twos. So we know that's fine. Umar yani, accepted yani, that as a as a, a compromise with the people because they were yani, struggling. It's not like he wanted 20. It's not like he prayed 20. In actual fact, as you're going to see later, we have authentic hadith that he himself used to pray eight. Okay? But it doesn't matter. We don't need to fight over this. We know that he allowed people to pray 20 and 30 and 36 because he understood that the more important issue is to pray over the night. You want to pray however many units? Our Prophet told us that. So you pray. And that is what Taraweeh became. In early years, no one would think of challenging the status quo. It was always seen as 20 people. And nowadays, it's a different kind of not challenging the status quo. Now it's just ignorant people. They don't even know the history behind it. And they actually think that the 20 is something that the Prophet did. Right? Which is just ridiculous. Right? And not even the people who argue for 20 are that stupid to claim that because, of course, yeah, it's not, not true. And they're not going to do that. Um, so I close my monologue without having actually touched Sheikh Uthameen's position and explanation and evidences. We will do that in the next lesson, I think. But what I've said is pretty much what he's going to agree with in the end anyway. And although I'm saying it in a more kind of, unified, uh, more kind of a holistic and more kind of a gentler way, I guess. Um, I want you to know that the Taraweeh prayer, according to the schools of fiqh, was basically seen as a standard 20. And the other big difference, by the way, that I should note is that Umar radiallahu an didn't just make it easier at the request of the companions by increasing the units, but he also took it earlier as well. The Prophet would pray at the end of the night, and the night meaning closer to half midnight and all the rest of it, and, and then starting and then obviously going towards Fajr or, or going towards, uh, you know, uh, Suhoq time, right? Whereas, the, whereas Umar radiallahu anh brought it back, praying after Isha, allowing people to go to sleep, okay? And then wake up for their suhoor. So that's another difference that he brought in, again, as a request of the people. And did he have a problem with that? Was it the sunnah of the Prophet No, it wasn't. Was it a bid'ah? Of course it wasn't. He himself, by the way, he himself is the narrator or the key actor in that famous hadith that we covered before in Witter, where he, Abu Bakr, and radiallahu anhumah are with the Prophet and the Prophet asks, how are you going to pray Witter? And one of them, Abu Bakr, says that uh, I'm going to pray now when I get home because I can't be sure, you know, waking up later. Umar says, I'm going to do it like you. I'm going to pray it later on. Yani, you know, I'm going to go sleep, wake up. And Prophet ﷺ, you know, gives them both props and says, like, you're the one who's doing it the brave way and the right way and, you know, the risky way, but the brave way and the more rewarded way because, you know, what, you know obviously you are taking a great risk. And Abu Bakr, you get the props because you're getting it locked down whilst you've got the chance, you know yourself, you know whatever. And we studied in the chapter of Witr that there's enough laxity there in this chapter that allows a person, even if he prays now and he does actually wake up, then you can add some Qiyamul Layl to it to not miss out. And we also know that if a uh, Umar scenario, if a person does wake up, um, uh, sorry, if a person didn't wake up and he missed the witr, it's not the end of the world, pray the Fajr prayer, and then after a uh, shuruq, after duha, 
then pray, make up the witter prayer, and there's some different opinions upon that, and we chose the issue of making an, an even. So if you did three raka'ah witter, you will pray four raka'ah uh, prayer, two and two or four. Yani, uh, uh, as a as a qada for the witter, I'm not going to go back over that, go back over the notes, you'll see last year's notes, last, literally the, at the end of it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we're there with um, uh, that, uh, what was I saying? Uh, um, so Umar now is praying it at the earlier part as well. He's relaxed and the Muslims are relaxed with the numbers and that's how you should be. However, 20 was seen as the standard for the Muslim community and amongst the masses, 20 is like the only thing possible. You all now know that 20 is an option. It's not the sunnah. Eight is the sunnah. And that statement I'm going to defend like Sheikh Uthameen is going to present it next week inshallah you now understand taraweeh great prayer must be done yani, to take the reward yani, those who can do it by themselves great those who don't uh, then pray in a masjid with yani, someone and take it easy during it if you do that it's called taraweeh there's no such thing as actual taraweeh in islam okay from a sunnah point of view it's called qiyamul layl the hadith also talk about qiyamul layl so if you do qiyamul layl in ramadan you are getting the reward of what should happen you are not missing out by not doing taraweeh, but if you are not qualified, not able to do so, then of course you should do it behind the imam, and you'll get the reward of praying the whole night anyway because you are praying behind the imam, etc., etc., etc. So I hope that that basically kind of um, uh, summarizes the whole thing. I hope there's not so many gaps, but if there are, don't worry about asking questions now about the gaps because I will be doing that when I do literal translation. But I do think that it was worth doing an overview. I didn't, I didn't just do that because I like the sound of my own voice. I do find that this holistic overview of the subject really helps later on when we are going into the details of evidences and this and that and uh, so on. Uh, that's it. I just wanted to contextualize. That's the word I was looking for. So, Jazakumullah khair. Um, what I will do is take a couple of questions on anything that is about this session or anything that's for the future or the class and so on. Welcome, Mariam. By the way, Mariam, we have so many Mariams who are spelt their name like that as well. Try to go into the uh, edit uh, 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 personal thing and add your surname. Really important. Uh, Shaz, drop the uh, uh, Telegram group again, please. Everybody, if you're not part, existing or new members, uh, please join the Telegram group. Uh, Sarah, all I want to know is what's happened to the cooking group, the foodie group? Is it still going on? Is Zainab as irritating as she is over there still or not? Um, that's something I really do need to know um, because, oh really? Zakiri, did you join it? You absolute, you are a weirdo. Absolute weirdo. That's a woman's group. Zakiri is a woman's group. Adil is a woman's group. Okay? You know what? That's the problem. Zainab Yani started to believe in her own hype and then we realized that she is actually right. Okay? Marina is like, what's going on? Marina, you missed out on the female group. Alright? No, you see, Fiza, you've just realized actually that Zakaria is there, Adil is there. You see? Yeah, I knew it. Anyway, you can join that. I'm sure with that will give people an opportunity to let people in. It's a weird group though. It's just too much. I couldn't keep up with it. Um, Telegram group joined that. Uh, any questions, uh, whatever. Sarah, what happens to our summary notes? Am I muffed from that, yeah? You've been in a brown... Oh my God. I'm about to say, Yani, uh, you know, she knows enough Urdu to know that 
what maft means. Uh, let's do this, then we'll take a couple of general questions, okay? Tarawiyah, linguistically means the prayer of resting, or rests, of rests, yani, or, yeah, resting, I don't know. Um, sorry, my mind's been taken by with Dad's choice and ice cream. If it's like cream cheese with chili, or it's ricotta with cherry, then she knows exactly what she's talking about, because I am on that hype right now, man. You go to Jalupo in London, and you go for some of them weird flavors, they are proper, proper, all right? But if she's talking something like, you know, fish and chips flavor and that, then, you know, just tell a shot. Right, taraweeh. Linguistically means the prayer of resting or the prayer of rest breaks, I prefer, due to the regular breaks taken between the units. This was not a name given by the Prophet Rather, it came about amongst the general followers by, the, by, by this name. It is in reference to the night prayer, which is observed specific in Ramadan. The Prophet began by praying the night prayer in Ramadan in the masjid during Qiyam time in the last third of the night to show that there is a prayer at this time. Not in the last uh, third of the night, uh, uh, um, uh, Sarah, okay? He would start praying it after the Isha, so we know that he's praying it at least before the half of the night, okay? That's something which is important. His, in Ramadan, he would not only pray in the last third of the night, his was a long prayer, all right? Especially so in the last 10 nights. But even in the first months, it wasn't just that small period of time. Yeah, the majority of the prayer would fall under the last third, but he'd be starting it earlier. Um, he did not pray, pray many units. Eight, actually, but each unit was very long. The Prophet did not lead a congregation for the night prayer after three nights of doing so, making it clear that this is not an obligatory prayer and that it is not necessary for it to be done in congregation. Very good. By the time of the Prophet's death, the habit of praying the night prayer was established for most people as a private prayer, and the congregation stopped after death of the Prophet. And this remained the case during the time of Bakr. Good. Umar established the night prayer in congregation as a means of uniting people more and addressing issues of discontentment, noise and disturbing, whatever. A number of companions, including Abdullah and Umar, did not join in that congregation. I want to make it very clear. Not to say it's not valid. Let's not get too impressed by the fact that they didn't. Right? I mean, that's like, that's like I'm, I'm teaching Tajweed and Isa, or I'm teaching uh, memorization of 30th uh, of Juza Amma to a, a Juza Amma class and Isa not attending. Isa is not saying this class is rubbish because he's memorized more than that. And so, you get what I'm trying to say? Abdullah bin Umar was not part of the congregation as far as I know, right? And that's because I expect him as Umar to not yani, have people who should smash it by themselves. Let me make that clear so that it doesn't, we don't get the wrong you know, image of Abdullah bin Umar or Umar. This prayer was done in units of two with a break after every raka'ah and lasted for a long portion of the night. It was at this point that the masses began to call it taraweeh and it became a habit amongst people. The difference of opinion among scholars begins at this point regarding the number of units, the length of the prayer, and the nature of this prayer, as shall be covered later. I think that's good. I think that's absolutely... Now, you see, this is the problem. This is the problem. Um, um, when anybody says wasabi in anything, let alone ice cream, these are people that should be taken off planet Earth. Right? This is, this is a person who was trying to, trying to tell me yani, that kushari is something... Yeah, trying to argue against uh, 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 tomato sauce or something stupid. Yani, anybody who thinks that wasabi is actually a food item and not yani, something which was used by R- Russian Novkov yani, agents to kill people, they've lost their mind. You don't know. What the hell do you think wasabi is? Wasabi sounds like a character out of a Godzilla flipping film. It was taken from a Japanese yani, horror flick and added to the Russian yani, uh, thingy. Yeah, this is it. Zakaria, any person who thinks that wasabi tastes like mustard, 
their brains have become mustard. That's what the score is. Even Iman started laughing. Iman, what do you know about food? You tell me that. Okay? So, um, so I just want to uh, 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 say that I saw a video of a kid. I can't show it. It's on my phone. Guys, remind me in maybe three weeks' time when I'm back in my in the office, maybe. I'm going to be on the road for a couple of weeks. By the way, there is no intention at the moment to go back to the masjids. They're not very keen on it at the moment. It's not as safe as it could be as well. But more so because I'm moving around so much. And I'm in Cairo and here and there and here and what. And so therefore, online is going to what it's have to be. It won't be as poor quality as this, hopefully. But I think actually this is pretty good. I, I'm not going to lie. Right? Shaz, mashallah, you did really good. Right? Uh, mashallah, well done. Well done, everybody, actually. By the way, massive shout out to Mesa, the team, transcription team. What a great set of notes. What a great yani, set of prep yani, for the exam, even though it was uh, uh, help. Irfan, you've seen it. You've seen it. That's the one. I've done that, Mariam, by the way. I thought it was guacamole. Okay. Um, that's the... The kid has the wasabi. You know? Oh. <laughs> Is the greatest video of this year, 100%, 100%. Right, um, so uh, uh, for the next three weeks, it'll be like this, then we're gonna go back to a good camera, inshallah, and then I will uh, deal, deal with that uh, 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 properly. On-site UK at the moment, Rehan, is not yani, something which is realistic at the moment, at the moment, okay? Um, let's do a couple of questions. Amal straight in with hers. Uh, then we'll go you and then we'll do Mariam. Uh, can I ask a non-Taraweeh related question? Is, is it, is it permissible? Yes, this is the time, by the way, for non-related questions. For those who are new, at the end of the class is non-related. During the class, you bust out your related questions. At the end of the class, we will prioritize the related ones. Okay? Uh, can I ask, is it permissible to buy a prepaid funeral plan to relieve the burden on friends and a Muslim family of finding the money quickly to pay for your funeral. One that I've seen, the Corp funeral plan, puts the money into an insurance policy to cover the future funeral costs. Is this permissible? In my opinion, Amal, it is permissible. Okay? Even though I don't like it and I don't recommend it. But that's, and I'm in the big minority, as in I'm in, I'm, I'm in minority of the minorities. That's what I meant. Emphasize minority, not big. Um, and that's because the majority of scholars do not consider the insurance contract to be haram. Whereas I am kind of like a bit more relaxed on the insurance contract. Um, I, uh, but my position on insurance does not change in this particular uh, uh, picture that you've created. I'm okay with this. I think it's okay for Muslims and non-Muslims to be involved in that or to help other I mean to help a non-Muslim in I think is even easier actually from an Islamic point of view but I think this is permissible this is my opinion Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best uh, Maryam asked um, if Juma starts at 1.15 and you arrive at the mosque at 1 can you read Nafal prayer I wouldn't uh, wouldn't that be the forbidden time to pray and um, so uh, there's difference of course on this because the, the, the uh, scholars, uh, we did cover this a couple of years back in the prohibited times to pray. But um, if Jummah 
at 1.15 is in line with the start time of Dhuhr because that's the difference between Jum'ah time and start time of Dhuhr. But let's assume that 1.15 is Jum'ah and start of Dhuhr. Then of course that means that the 15 minutes before is a prohibited time. That's the time of Zawal and you shouldn't be praying at that time. And that's what you should do and you should wait. Some scholars said, if you're in a masjid, you can pray because this is a prayer which is highly emphasized. Some even said obligatory, the Tahiyatul Masjid. And therefore, you should, uh, it's a very good reason it doesn't come under that which is doubtful. Um, you might not be in a masjid, might be in a gathering outside and so on. And is Tahiyatul Masjid actually obligatory anyway? And, 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 and. My opinion is that you would not pray in the prohibited time. My opinion is that you would not pray in the prohibited time, but I'm comfortable with the opinion that allows it because... Those that allow it say that obligatory prayers or highly emphasized prayers are an exception to the prayers not allowed in a prohibited time. Right, Fasiha, going straight for the jugular. What happened to the Quranic art book? Wait for announcement next week. This is why I said, Yani, LP people do get some Yani special things. Fiqh politics course, um, actually kind of covered next week. Not so much. Next week becomes a bit clearer. Safa, good question. Um, why Egypt over Saudi for living with family? Saudi is just... Saudi is... Uh, uh, I've told people for donkey's years. Saudi is... You know, unless you're lucky enough to find a scholar, one of the good scholars there, and, and sit and live with the guy. Saudi study environment is disaster. Absolute disaster. Okay? And I don't like institutions. I don't like Azhar here. I don't like all of the universities over there. I like private teachers and I like environment and I like yani, opportunity. Egypt has no comparison. I mean, there are better places, but for a Western family that with money transfers and uh, issues of cards and taxes and this and that and living kind of standards, Egypt is a winner. Not the best place in the world. Mauritania will be better, better than that and some parts of Syria and so obviously not now uh, and other parts of Egypt. I mean, we're in a place which is, there's many places better than Cairo. Cairo just fills a lot of, it ticks a lot of boxes. Okay. Uh, Humer is asking, does this class follow a specific madhab? No, absolutely not. In actual fact, we try to encourage people to either follow their own madhab if they have one, or to, if they don't have a madhab, then to take the class position. And the class position is my position, and my position is not sticking to a madhab. So you've got three options. You will either take the Hanbali position, which is the text that we study. We're, making, we're using that as a base, the Hanbali position on everything, the Hanbali madhab. And then there is the class position, which is what the majority of the students are taking. Some are actually taking only the Hanbali, that's fine. Or they're taking the class position because what they're doing is that they don't have their own madhab and they want to study the issues from a cross fiqh point of view, which is something which I believe is the future and what should be. And then on the other occasion, I also mentioned the opinion of other madahib, but I don't really want to or need to. And I don't just mean madahib, but also other imams which are not seen from the madahib, okay, who are bigger than the imams of the madhabs. And for example, companions and sahaba and tabi'een, I mentioned their opinions and you can follow those as well. So you've got three options. I would give you an opportunity for you to take a position that you want or your own school, or you follow the humbly school, which is yani, straight down the line what we're reading, or you would follow my position or the class position, and I would always make it clear. And you will see in the notes, Humaira, that we do make that distinction, so people are very comfortable with that. Um, well, how, yeah, so yes. This concept of Tarabit was created by Allah. As a, not created, it's difficult to say, but we can say that it was the, that the Tarawih prayer of today, right? Uh, Isa said that, so can we say that Tarawih was created by Umar? So we can say that Tarawih was 
made a sunnah twice. It was made a sunnah by the Prophet ﷺ, and then it was made a sunnah by Umar because in between it kind of turned into what it really should be, which is an individual kind of prayer, and then it was becoming a, it then became a congregation one again by Umar. And Umar allowed it to evolve naturally. And that evolving naturally, and he just you know, observed over it. Yeah, he added some uh, structure to it. So he made sure that it was under an imam to avoid that headache. And he liked the idea of you know, keeping it at 20 or 36 or whatever what the people wanted. But in its modern form, yeah, he's the one who helped you know, establish it. So where did this modern concept of Qiyam Layl come from? That's not a modern concept. There's no modern concept of Qiyam Layl. Qiyam Layl is the asr, of course. Qum al-layla illa qalila. Yeah, that's the that's the Quranic injunction for no, Qiyamul Layl no, no, no. upon the Prophet Sallallahu and the Muslims early, and then obviously the Prophet Sallallahu and the many hadith that he mentioned. So when you see the person pray Qiyamul they think it's the last hour for Fajr, whereas actually the Prophet prayed it uh, after Isha, but towards Prophet No, no. So who is saying when you see the people praying Qiyamul Layl, they're praying it in the late night, whereas the Prophet Sallallahu you just said is praying in the early night. No. I said that Qiyamul Layl, which is to pray in the night time, is every prayer, every nafil prayer, after Isha until Fajr. Any units that are prayed in this period of time is called Qiyamul Layl. If you pray after going to sleep, which is the Sunnah of the Prophet because it is more difficult to do, it is called Tahajjud, because you have done Hujud. Hujud is to go to sleep and to get up from bed and comfort and warm is always more difficult. And so therefore when you do it later after sleep, Qiyamul Layl, then it's called still Qiyamul Layl but its name is the Hajjud. When you pray Qiyamul Layl in Ramadan in congregation, it's called Tarawih. If you pray Qiyamul Layl, not going to sleep at all after Isha and praying it, it's just called Qiyamul Layl. If you call, if you pray according to some Madahib, a prayer in Ramadan after Taraweeh by yourself when you go back home from the masjid, they call it Da'qib. We're going to come to this later. There are different names and forms and expressions of what is essentially one single reality, which is Qiyamul Layl, right? Which is the night prayer, right? Um, yeah, listen, Daniel was saying uh, the right thing. Daniel, you're right. This class should be finished right now. So I'm going to. Uh, uh, I'm going to cut off in the next uh, three minutes. I'm going to look at the questions that can be answered in seconds. Can I draft a contract which has a pre-existing clause on interest for late, pay late payment? No, you can't. Because you are then uh, ensuring that interest is charged. You need to avoid that. Okay? How should a person try to close the gap in Jama'ah, in Masajid, as I feel? No, good luck to you. Uh, always. That, that, that ship has sailed, bro. Stay in the middle. And whatever, because that ship has sailed, there needs to be a massive yani, slap down that comes from the Imams to get that whole game back. The gap situation is gone forever, man. I hope it's not. Oh my goodness, Abdullah is here. Habibi, are you in Saudi? How are you, man? MashaAllah. Nawar al Misriya, Abdullah Munawar. Burhan, do we know how many hours the Prophet slept every night? No, not. For certain, but it's a good few. Okay. Um, so, uh, 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 let me just finish this off now in the last minute. Okay. 
uh, alarm bells going off. Can you can you even say Taraweeh was made a Sunnah by the Prophet ﷺ? Give the Prophet ﷺ would pray Qiyamul Layl all year round. Yes, Harith, uh, Harith, you can. It was a Sunnah because the Prophet ﷺ did specify the night prayer in Ramadan over the Qiyamul Layl. We just want to say that Taraweeh in its modern format of it being always every night twenty units. That's not the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. However, in general, to pray extra, harder, more in Ramadan with an imam, getting more reward, that of course is a sunnah. So there's a nuance there. That's why you can, a person could hear what I just said and say, you just said the same thing. And I say, yeah, yeah, you know what? People could see it as the same thing. It's clearly not. Academically, it's miles different. But it can be seen as the same thing. And that's why we're not going to be yeah, any, uh, 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 you know, causing too much headache. Um, and Fasiha says, women may not be able to move around finding private teachers. Absolutely. The, the thing with Egypt is that it's expensive because you're going to pay your way. You're going to pay for all of these teachers to come, but they will travel and they will teach and everything. Uh, so, uh, thinking Today, uh, people are asking, where's the chocolate? The reason there's no chocolate is because chocolate is so rubbish in Egypt. There is no chocolate in Egypt. And uh, I want you to know that I would normally have come, I didn't come across taxi driver, alhamdulillah. You know what it is? Uber has saved us from that bakwas. Now my rage is at the Uber in virtual reality when I see him cancel on me. That's my rage at him now. Now I can't punch anybody anybody else. So, um, uh, chocolate is what it is. Food will start when I get back in uh, to UK. Um, no, I didn't because I'm behaving myself, Burhan. I, uh, and I do have an air fryer. Uh, Omar, I bought an air fryer. Can you believe? No, hey, I bought an air fryer to Egypt. It's the greatest thing. That when people say it, they're like, oh. All right, they cannot believe it. And by the way, you know the fried chicken that they sell frozen in Egypt is great. And fried chicken, that's the one thing you can't have in the UK in the air fryer or the US. You know, go to the shop and buy fried chicken and stick in air fryer. Raw, I mean, frozen. Oof. Yeah, and it, it comes out great in an air fryer. And uh, I think we're done. I think we are done. Jazakumullah khair for your thingy. Post the, Shazad, post the, um, uh, 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 <laughs> so, let me tell you something, yeah? Okay, it might not be a spaceship, but most people don't have one. They're, they're, listen, the basic rubbish model that, that we, uh, is here costs four times what it costs for this cheapest one in the UK. So it's definitely not normal. And, uh, you know, shout out to your uncle, obviously, his man of big monies, yeah? All right, Shazad. Drop the uh, Telegram group. Let's join in. I'll see you there. Zakumullah khair. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shadu an la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu ilayk. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's good to see you all again. Take care, folks. Yallah. See you later. Ma'assalamah.